Hello, and welcome to In All of Us Command. I'm Kate. I'm Aaron. And we will be learning about national anthems. Each week, we choose a new country at random, we learn a little bit about the country, and then we will listen to their anthem. After listening, we will rate the anthem based on several criteria and see how they all stack up in our humble opinion. We don't want you to think that because of the title, we're huge fans of O Canada. In fact, we plan to dunk on it pretty much constantly throughout the show, and we don't expect it to finish highly in the rankings at all. We're going to be learning about Uganda. And honestly, I came into this one pretty excited because I actually knew a few things about Uganda. Yeah. And that is new for me. Um, not many of the countries that we have talked about. Previously, have I known anything? And it's been very embarrassing. So it was nice to at least have a slight baseline. I mean, I'm certainly no expert on Uganda, but it's, it's a country you know, whose name I've heard a lot more than the others we've talked about. And certainly there are going to be a couple things uh, you teach me here that I'm sure I know the very bare bones of already. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I have some, dare I call it, personal associations with Uganda? Yeah. We're going to get into it later. Um, so it's been it's been a good week for me. I was excited to research this, and I'm going to share some stuff with you now. Great. Um, so Uganda is a landlocked country in East Africa. Um, even though it's not accessible to the ocean, they have a large freshwater supply of rivers and lakes, um, including the very large Lake Victoria, which is going to come up later again. Um, it is bordered by Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and South Sudan. So there's a, a lot, lot of borders. A lot of countries bordering and it. it's, I was looking at it on a map, and I may even have missed something because it's a little bit like... Hard to tell yeah. where exactly the, the borders are. Some of them, I think, are in Lake Victoria, actually. So it's a bit of a... Lake Victoria is one of the largest lakes in the world, correct? Yes. I was going to save this for the fun facts, but it is actually the second largest in okay. terms of like size um, after actually Lake Superior. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, made sense when I read it, but also like, cool, you know. Um, so the capital city is Kampala, which is located in the south. Uh, the population is primarily rural and agricultural. They have very fertile soil, and it's great for growing crops and raising livestock. So that is mostly what they do in Uganda. Great. Yeah. So the first people to ever reach the you know area that we call modern day Uganda were uh, hunter-gatherers. And about 2,000 years ago, uh, populations migrated from Central and West Africa, um, mainly concentrating in the south of the country. And you can see this even now, most of the population and like the big cities tend to be in the south. So at this point, yeah. well, I guess even today then, like population in the north is just sparser than in the south. Yes, okay. the the main cities are in the south. There, However, like the the main sort of economic stuff is agriculture. So a lot of people do still live outside of the cities right, as well. Course. We're going to get a little bit more into like rural versus urban sure. populations. It's going to matter shortly. Um, so there's also an ethnic divide between the North and the South. Um, this is also going way back when, but remains true. Okay. As far as I can tell today. Um, so the North, my research is a little sketchy on this, but I'm, I'm going to do my best mm -hmm. here. Um, please tell us on the Twitter or other communication channels how badly I've messed up um so the north are what what are called the nilotic people 
Okay. Um, or were at least, we're still talking like 2000 years ago now. Um, speaking a variety of language languages, sorry, including um, Acholi, Lango, and Teso, among others. Um, in the south are the Bantu people, which as far as I can tell, Bantu is also the language. Um, yeah, Bantu, I actually talked about a little bit in the Lesotho yeah, episode. right, I thought that it's, sounded uh, familiar. Bantu's a language group of which Lesotho yeah. is a part. Okay, okay. So there was less of a list for that one for some reason, but... If I remember correctly, yeah. the Bantu language with the largest number of speakers today is Swahili. Okay, yeah, that would make sense because Swahili is like the other main language in Uganda next to English. There you go. Um, so most Ugandans are... Bantu, um, that is, remains like the largest um, ethnic group. Okay. And was also true, you know, back in the day. Um, as we mentioned, official languages are English and Swahili, but because of like the large language diversity, most Ugandans speak more than one language and understand sure. multiple languages. Um, so the British come a colonizing, as they do. In the late 1800s, um, and they take the wild liberty of signing an agreement with Germany, confirming British authority over Kenya and Uganda, because why would you involve the people who live there in these decisions? You just yeah. go ahead and sign, <laughs> sign those places over to whoever you'd like. Um, and then Uganda is placed under a British protectorate in 1894. So the British concentrate the economy in the south of the country uh, and develop relationships with the Bantu people who live there. Um, but they recruit from the north, mostly for military and police. Okay. So you can see already kind of a division happening between the two. Um, I feel like I missed something important. I missed something important. We're going to back up for a second. Um, in the 15th and 16th centuries, before the British arrive, okay. um, the kingdoms of Buganda, Buyoro Katara, and Ankole are established and are like the big sort of powers Okay, so like in within the borders of what we know as Uganda, yes. those are the powers that be when the British come a call. And yes, yeah. yes. This is going to be important because later they're going to try to take apart the sure. traditional tribes. Anyway, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, so then the English also decide to build a railway and they recruit labor for this primarily from South Asia, uh, mostly India and Pakistan. Mm -hmm. This is also going to be important um, coming down the line a little bit. Many of the Asians who move to Uganda um, to work decide to stay once the railroad is built, and they bring their families over and they set up lives and businesses in a, a really prospering business class. Okay. Um, there are, however, a lot of social tensions between the Africans who were there originally, um, the British who then showed up, and the Asians as well who have just arrived. Sure. This creates a really stressful and tense kind of race and color-based social strata thing where there are the African people and then the British, the white British people, and then the sort of less brown Asians okay. kind of in between. It's not great. Right. It's not great. Um, they're almost, a lot of the, the research I did, the British are using Asians not exactly as like intermediaries, but... Kind of. Right. Um, this, Interesting. It's... Uh, and, like, why? I they're less brown. I don't know. It's really bad. It's it's so racist. Yeah. It's so racist. It turns into a, a kind of a situation where 
the British are kind of this ruling class. The South Asians are kind of a, a business class. They run a lot of shops and right. things. And then a lot of Africans work for Asians right. in sort of diminutive labor positions. Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's not great. Um, but Uganda, anyways, achieves independence in 1962, although there is a lot of political tension kind of right off the bat. Um, there's a division between those who would like a sort of centralized country and others who are in favor of maintaining traditional tribal kingdoms. In 1966, Prime Minister Apollo Milton Obote um, suspends the constitution and rewrites it, uh, giving more power to the president and just abolishing the kingdoms. Okay. Just wash your hands of that. Now we're going to talk about Idi Amin. Right. Who is a very bad dude. I have it written here in my notes, all caps. Very bad dude. Very um, clear. <laughs> colloquially known. Taking a stance. As the butcher of Uganda. So, here we go. Here we go. Idi Amin uh, titled himself, and this, I can't even... Like, I knew this, but to be reminded was just... I I know the title we're getting into, and it's something. Okay. Deep breath, everyone. Um, His Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal Al-Haji Dr. Idi Amin, VC, DSO, MC, CBE, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the sea and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa, and General and Uganda in particular. So there you have it. That's Idi Amin in a nutshell. The end of the title is so memorable. Like, in Africa in general and in Uganda in particular. In particular. So, like, everyone, but especially Uganda. Yeah. And also, I like, did the fish get the memo? I don't know. To include the, the beasts of the earth and the fishes of the sea? It's kind of something you can claim and no one can ever dispute you on it. I guess. What are you going to do? It's not so different, really, from, like, old English kings claiming that all the deer in the forest belonged to them and anyone who shot one had killed the king's pet. Like, yeah, It's very similar. It's very similar. Um... So Idi Amin comes to power in 1971 um, in a coup against Abote, who we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Amin is a military guy, and one of the first things he does is change the constitution to give himself absolute power. Of course. There is a bit of a tradition of just changing the constitution whenever you feel like it. It's, uh, from what we've seen at least, not uncommon in developing countries, especially newly independent ones. Yes, yeah, and like I understand having a period of kind of working through things and maybe making changes when changes need to be made, but at the same time, don't just show up and rewrite the thing by yourself. I don't know, just my opinion. <laughs> so... Hot takes from Kate. Dictators are bad. <laughs> Dictators are bad. Okay. Um, we will learn shortly just how bad. Um, so Amin's like order number one is to expel all the Asians from Uganda. Okay. Um, that's the, he did a lot of other bad stuff, but this is kind of what we're going to focus on. Right. For this talking part, because it would take forever. Um, and we have to remember also that these are people who have lived in Uganda now for generations, who have very successful right. businesses. These aren't, these mm-hmm. aren't 
immigrants per se. Not These a, are not people now. who are like multiple generations yeah. back descended from Ugandans. Yeah. yeah, we're talking like probably third and fourth generation now. Okay. Maybe even more. I don't I don't know. Time is weird for me. Um <laughs> But, like, generations in, yeah. established, whole family lives there, consider themselves Ugandans. Many held Ugandan passports and were citizens. Some were not, but, you know. Sure, akin to us being in Canada, almost. Yes, yeah. yes. very similar. Um, and, hold on, I lost my place here. Um, yes, but, but having citizenship would not protect you in this circumstance. And it was very confusing for people, because Amin was like, nope, you all have to go. And... A lot of people were like, no, but we have passports. We have citizenship. We are f- from here. And he was like, no, sorry, you got to go anyway. Um, he gave, I think, a 60-day order, but also handled it much in the way of Ontario handling COVID-19, changing his mind up and down the place, right. back and forth, on and off. Like, it's this many days, it's that many days, it's actually this, no, it's actually that. No, you can stay. No, you can't. Like, oh, and it just it, I talk about confusion. If you're going to make people leave, at least do it straightforward. Like uh, if you're going to do a monstrous thing. Make sure your messaging is clear. I guess. Yeah, like, if you're going to do it anyways. But don't do it. Also, is the main <laughs> takeaway here. Don't be a monster. It's very easy. Um, or you'd think anyway. Anyway. So in the end, um, approximately 80,000 people left Uganda. Um, and they went to other parts of Africa and England and also Canada. Um, we get to, at this point, talk about kind of a good thing that Canada did, um, where under the old Trudeau government, Canada accepted the research was unsure or unclear about this, somewhere between 6,800 refugees um, from Uganda, and many of them came and moved here and settled. Um, this think, is the Pierre yeah. Trudeau government. Yes, this yeah. is Pierre Trudeau. Um, so this was done also, like this decision by Trudeau was partly done kind of under the cover of the 1972 Summit on Ice, Canada-Russia hockey game. Oh, hell um, yeah. It's actually my dad who told me this. I couldn't find anything for it. I didn't actually look that hard. I just assumed it was true. It's such a good story. Um, that Trudeau was using this hockey game because Canadians, if you don't know this, we love our hockey here. Oh, the Summit um, Series is essentially the Canadian miracle on ice. Like, it's yeah. it's our big victory over the Soviet team. Yeah. Um, it was hugely important. People were so excited about it. And like, under, like, it's on television, it's all over the news, and Trudeau's just like, get in, get in, get in, <laughs> sneaking these people <laughs> and sort of underneath this like, big event that everybody was watching. Cause, That's so cool. Right? Because you can't break too many immigrants or else people are going to get mad. But anyway, I, I think that's great. I didn't, um, I knew all about the summit series and I had no idea about that. Yeah. I think it was probably not publicized. Right. A sure. lot. <laughs> um, Cause this is the seventies also. We're not talking like people have changed a lot, Maybe yeah. not enough, but have changed a lot of their views towards immigration. Um, and so also back in Uganda though, we're done talking about Canada for the minute. Um, Back in Uganda, Amin's rule would cause basically economic ruin. Um, he destroyed the place with like taking away as much of the working population as he did. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing just kind of fell apart. And it's been a real struggle for Uganda to kind of rise up above what Amin did to them um, back in the day. So this is... Really, all I was going to talk about kind of politically. Right. I was going to focus on Idi Amin and 
because I felt like that was a large, important part of the history. Absolutely. Um, and we'd be here all day if I went point by point. So fun facts, fun facts. Um, I would like to plug my stepmother's book. Um, she's from Uganda and immigrated when she was, I think, about three years old with her family. Um, they were smiley and were ejected with all the other people and moved here. Um, and she wrote a book called Where the Air is Sweet that I would highly recommend. Great book. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's my family. It is actually a great book. Yes. So her family then were some of those sort of snuck in under the cover of the summit series. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I believe it. I don't know. Actually, and it was her and her parents and she has two brothers. I don't know if her grandparents came also though. Okay. Um, but yeah, they live in Kitchener. Um, and have done, I think, since they came. Yeah, good people. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of a fun a fun story. So it means that I, I sort of knew about EDM in, I think, a while before maybe other people my age did. When um, I think probably partly because of uh, sort of the familial relation to it, you have talked about your dad bringing you to see The Last King oh of Scotland <laughs> way too young. We watched The Last King of Scotland, which I'm also going to talk about, actually movie 2007 it came out um and it's a like it's a good movie Forrest Whitaker won the Oscar for playing Edium in didn't he I don't know actually I think he did we'll uh, look into that during the anthem yeah yeah um it's a good movie it's a, um, probably kind of an important movie too but I was I was too young and unprepared for the final scene which if you've seen it you know what I'm talking about um and if you haven't seen it you can go watch it and then you'll know what I'm talking about um <laughs> So I have, I have a, a strange relationship with The Last King of Scotland where, you know, partly I want to like root for it. And also I'm like, uh, 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 because. Just uh, a little traumatic to have seen so young. A little bit, a little bit. Um, so Uganda is also famous for their coffee. Um, they grow a lot of it and it's really good. I thought I'd throw that in the fun facts. Yeah. Just to- <laughs> We could have just made coffee. I'm sure we could have found some. I guess, but we're going to, we're going to make, we're going to make Mendazi and that's going to be more fun. It's true. I'm excited. I could make us coffee with the Mendazi. I don't like coffee that much. That's true. If I have coffee now, I'm going to be up all night. (laughs) But thank you. It's a nice offer. You can have coffee if you want it. Um, So the national food is generally agreed to be matuki, which is a kind of banana similar to a plantain. Um, gets cooked and fried and put in a lot of stews and things but we've had a number of african stews now kind of all in a row so i said no more stew <laughs> and and instead we're making mandazi which is a type of fried dough uh similar to a donut often eaten with tea or juice um sometimes rolled in cinnamon and sugar which is the root we're going to be taking today i'm pretty excited about these me too me too um i'm scared because i'm going to be frying dough for the first time um yeah, really, if something needs to get, like, deep fried in this house, it's it's me that's doing it. Because you're really good at it, and I'm scared. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to turn things on its head today, and you can do the dipping in the sugar. and I'll supervise. Yes, yes, and you can make sure I don't set fire to this tiny apartment and consume everything we own. Um, the national animal in Uganda is the great crowned crane. Um, or sorry, the gray crowned crane, my bad, which is featured on the flag and is not a chicken, as I first thought when I looked at the flag 
sort of like the little Wikipedia thumbnail. Okay, um, I'll need to take a look at it. And I was like, oh, that's a chicken. Why would they put a chicken? And then I realized it's it's not a chicken. Um, Most cranes don't look anything like chickens. I'm going to need to take a look at this flag. It is an abstract rendering okay. of a bird. Sure. That I thought looked chicken-like and is not. Um, <laughs> it is a crane, which actually, if you look at a picture of the, cr- the, the crane bird, they're beautiful, actually. Yeah. So... Cranes are generally quite impressive. They're very majestic. That's, that's why I say it would be tough to mix them up with a chicken. Yes. Well, <laughs> one would think. <laughs> one would think, and then I came along. Um, so, that's really all I had for fun facts. We're going to get into the national anthem now. Great. Shall we take a break and listen to it, and then come back and talk about the history a little bit? Sounds it's a great. good one. The story for this, quite juicy. All right, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> listened to oh uganda land of beauty the national anthem of uganda um we have eaten some mandazi and they are delicious and they are delicious can we first address the mandazi yeah i mean it's it's the elephant in the room if we don't um <laughs> it's true so it's basically a, a donut type of thing you make a dough there was flour there was sugar i put some coconut milk i mean the recipe told me to but i, I put the coconut <laughs> milk that wasn't just a whim um and it did a little bit for me what the panapopo did before. Yeah. That very, like, subtle coconut flavor. Yeah, yeah. Was very good. But we deep fried it, and we dipped it in sugar and cinnamon. It's been tasty. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I've eaten too many already. You uh, know, me too, and I'm not... Dipping coffee I'm not works done really yet. nicely. Oh, me I'm going to be eating more. <laughs> but I tell myself they're better fresh anyways, so might as well. Um, so this is... That was delicious. Uh, but I, if we must stop talking about... The donuts, then. We, uh, we must. Okay. We must move on and address the national <laughs> anthem. We can loop back to the donuts afterwards. Okay, if, maybe after the episode's done. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, okay, so, O Uganda Land of Beauty um, exists in both English and Swahili translations, although I believe it was originally written in English. Okay. I have a story that I'm going to tell you, but I would like the disclaimer up front that some of the sources for this were pretty sketchy. Okay. Um, so to be taken with a grain of salt, there are some conflicting opinions. We will address this sure. as we go. So first off, the lyrics and music are by a man by the name of George Wilberforce Kakoma. Great name. Wilberforce being a fantastic yeah, name. Yeah, really any name that has Wilberforce in it is going to gain 10 or 15 points right off the bat. It's true. It's true. Um, and he is a Ugandan who taught um, music. I 
think in England, maybe in a couple of different places, it was sure hard to tell. Um, there was one extremely sketchy source that suggested that Kakoma only composed the music, and it was his friend Peter Wingard who wrote the lyrics. However, every other place I looked said that Kakoma's responsible for the whole thing. So at least on record, Kakoma so, is responsible for the whole thing. Yes, sure. and if you want to take it up with Peter... I guess you can do that. Um, maybe they talked about it. Maybe he contributed. Maybe Peter's family wrote the web page I was That's reading. That's what I was I have just no about idea. to suggest, actually, yeah. <laughs> it could have been any of those things. Um, so they held a competition at Independence, as we are learning many places did. What year was Independence do. again, sorry? Uh, 61, 62. Okay. Something like that. Um, similar to many of the other African yeah. countries we have talked about recently. Um and allegedly, a number of people submitted to the competition. And allegedly, the committee that was sort of put in charge of deciding this stuff um, didn't like any of the results. Um, so they went and they asked Kakoma, who was kind of like a well-known music professor and, you know, knowledgeable music guy, um, right. for help. And then he apparently went to sleep and the song, like, came to him in his dreams. Huh. However, other sources <laughs> suggest that he just won the competition. Right. So not not as much divine inspiration in those stories. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure if the committee didn't really like any of the older submissions or the first submissions. I don't know if it came to him in his sleep. It's a good story to say that it did. So sure, we'll go with that. Um, and then. Again, this is a little bit sketchy, but then there was a there was a subsequent lawsuit where a few years after independence, the government, I guess, just kind of like woke up one day and realized that they didn't officially have copyright over the music. OK, um, so they wrote Kakoa and they said, listen, could you sign this thing so that we have copyright? And he said, no, I have to get my lawyers involved. So he did that. Um, and they asked, were asking for payment sort of in exchange right. for the copyright of the song. But then it seems there was so much political turmoil that it wasn't ever really resolved. Um, and then in 2000... It's not that he was asking like some comically huge amount or anything from what you saw, just the government didn't really get around to it because there were bigger fish to fry. I think so. And I think Kakoma also, because this also overlaps with um, Idi Amin's right. time. Sure. Um, so I think he was kind of in and out of the country a little okay. bit. It was chaos. I can understand how this kind of thing would just be like, well, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so then in 2008, uh, Kakoma sued the Ugandan government for non-payment of royalties. And the long and short of the thing is that they refused. Right. Um, then he died in 2012, and the anthem is now considered public domain, as far as I can tell, um, although his wife did continue to fight for royalties after he had died. Unsuccessfully, I imagine. I believe so, yeah. yes. Um, I think the article I was reading would have gone differently if she had been successful. Um, although maybe since, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, a lot of the... I don't think copyright has come up in any of it the hasn't. discussions we've had so far. I would have just assumed it defaulted to the government that's kind of what i thought too and i don't know if there's like some more sketchy stuff maybe going just on here. oversight on the government's part writing the contract maybe maybe um i guess kakoma didn't ask for it right off the bat yeah maybe he well, made he an assumption until 2008 you that's said. right yeah so maybe he made an assumption and the government made an assumption and it was just huh not clear 
what was going on with that. But anyway, I thought it was kind of an interesting story anyways, as we haven't discussed copyright in any capacity. Yeah, really. it's something I might look into because um, after this episode, uh, we're going to do sort of a recap of the first 10. Yeah. So maybe I'll look into a bit what sort of the global standard for anthem copyright is exactly i think so much of the time i have to think most of them are public domain i have to think so and i have to think also that even if they're not exactly like the the creation of them is kind of lost to the sands of time yeah um and so it doesn't really matter in the same way i'm not i'm not sure i would love to know more about this i would love to know more about copyright for anthems certainly it's something we might be able to find out with some of the world's younger nations yes that's true where maybe like the people who wrote the anthems are still alive yeah yeah for sure um he lived quite old though i think Kakoma i was, was gonna say this guy lived into like the past decade yeah so. he was in like his eight, late 80s or 90s I yeah think, before he died so and he lived a good long life but Anyway, it seems it was a little bit turbulent at times. Right. Yes. So um, that is really my story of the anthem. We can now discuss the different versions with regards to our sort of criteria here. Yeah. So there was the classical version we listened to that was uh, just like a guy playing it on the organ. Yes. And then there was the sort of contemporary pop version Mm -hmm. um, and then a adorable children's choir um as you correctly pointed out there's there's definitely one kid in the choir who cannot sing and the rest of them are sort of trying to hold it together and this kid is just dragging the rest of them down they're pretty little and i'll i'm willing to sort of cut them oh for sure it's adorable (laughs) i'm not claiming it wasn't an adorable video um, just you you were definitely right when you pointed that out you can hear the one kid who who cannot sing um (laughs) and that's that's too bad but it's still i think still worth noting and worth talking about (laughs) so this is actually a very short anthem um as we can see in the lyrics a little bit yeah actually like because I'm not researching, all mm. I have is sort of the Wikipedia page on the anthem open. Mm. And what it's telling me is that this is actually, depending on who you want to listen to, either the shortest anthem in the world or tied with Japan as the shortest anthem in the world. Yes, I saw that also on the Wikipedia page. I didn't really dig into it too much. Sure. Um, I think they're mainly talking about the melody. Um, I think so too. Each verse is only eight bars long. Yes. So. Yes. Um so, lyrics? Lyrics, I think this is going to lose some points for me in the same place that a couple past anthems have, and that's just in specificity. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of boilerplate anthem language. It is. I feel it lacks, when we talk about the thesis statements, I feel this lacks a little bit a clear thesis statement. Yeah, I mean, what country isn't gonna have in their anthem freedom liberty united that's what i'm saying like boilerplate this is all stuff that we all aspire to and i don't know this one feels like it's lacking in some specificity but i guess mostly i probably should consider that insignificance to the country yeah But these feel a little like they could be digging in a little bit more. They could. And I think they could 
have like they've lost some opportunities i think to mention i don't know probably some of the specific either landmarks or events or something and i think part of it is is possibly to the limiting of that eight bar phrase that there's only so much yeah. they can fit into one verse. Yeah, this is true. This is true. It does. I agree with you. I felt the same way when I listened to it. Um, especially given how invested I am in Uganda is a yeah, place. Absolutely. I, I wanted more than I got a little bit. Yeah. Um, I did read one place that it was obviously preceded by God save the queen. Um, which sure, yeah. I didn't want to listen to right now because we're going to listen to that when yeah. we come around to England. it kind of sucks. It also, yeah, yeah. But I've heard it a lot. It's, yeah, we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> yes. Um, Fight so, me, English people. Yeah. So, <laughs> major takeaways could be doing more overall. Yeah, yeah I think that's where I sit too. I'm going to go, I think, for an even five here. An even five? I think that is appropriate. I'm going to go four. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I felt a little let down. Music. I I was not a fan of the pop version in its arrangement. Really? The pop version was it? my favorite. Really? I thought it was so fun. No, I like the kids. The kids were I very like the kids. cute. The pop version... I don't know, this music, like that eight bar phrase to me feels very limiting. And the fact that that version could kind of turn it into like a super cheesy Mariah Carey tune. Yeah. Um, I dug that about it. But I think those are more actually points for the arrangement than the music. Mm. Again, I just want more out of it. It's it's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's perfectly fine, but it doesn't like really rev me up or get me like dancing or thinking particularly yeah and hard. the contemporary version was the closest to that for me yeah that's fair that's fair i'm gonna go i do think there's some quality to that melody but it's it's so short and so fleeting and then just repetitive as a result of that it is that um but it can sort of be adapted a little bit to yeah. different circumstances. I'm going to go six for music. Okay. I think I'm maybe going to go another five, actually. Okay. Uh, we should type these in order, probably. There we go. It's all good. I'll cut that. Excuse me. Um, background. Background story... Okay, here's the thing mm -hmm. about the background story is back in the first episode, yes. when we talked about Samoa, there was a very simple, there was a contest in this song one story. Yeah. And we talked about how, you know, it's not a super exciting story, but it's also not a shitty story where yeah. people would have been better off if it hadn't happened. Yeah. That's how you feel about this too? Unfortunately, there is at least one person who seems like they would have been better off had this story not happened. Yeah. Yeah. I. It does make me wonder, like I said, about the copyright status of other anthems, but I do feel a bit for the composer that he just got boned by the government there. But it does have some intrigue. It does have some intrigue. Does intrigue count? 
more than whether it was a good thing for someone or not. I don't think we ever discussed these finer points. It's true. And it, it certainly could come down to a matter of opinion. And I mean, there's more to the story if we're going to accept at least the more exciting narrative mm. provided by the less reliable sources. Um, <laughs> yes. The whole, like, the divine... Beatles narrative of yeah. <laughs> getting rejected everywhere else and then finally breaking through. Mm. That's got some substance to it. It does. It does. I don't know, background? It was at least interesting for me researching it. Yeah. And it does have some bite in a way that some of the other stories have not. It's true. It's got a bit more, I don't know, modern sensibility to the story than most of these anthem yeah. backgrounds do. I'm going to go seven for background. Okay. I think I'm going to go six and a half. Okay. So our next category is significance to the country. And this is sadly where I think I've got to dock it some marks. I know, and I feel so, I feel terrible because this is a country that is like, they've seen some shit. They have. And. And I think we need to just reiterate again that our judgment of an anthem is not a judgment of a nation or no, its people. Not in any way. Um, we, you know. We're trying we, to look We don't mind living in Canada and we hate, oh, Canada, it sucks bad. So. <laughs> It does. I mean, Canada's done some shit. We'll get into the Canada we have done some episode. Shit. I was partly so excited about this, like, good story where we take in all the refugees. Yeah. Because I know there's some parts. Coupled with one of our best hockey history Coupled... stories. <laughs> and, like, not a bad prime minister. And I know that when we do Canada, we're going to be, we're going to have to talk about all the gross, awful, terrible things. Oh, absolutely. That Canada has done. And that's not going to be, I mean, I'm not proud of that. No. I'm not proud. Anyway, this is not what we're talking about this right not, now. Right now, we're talking about the, the national anthem of Uganda. The judgment of an anthem is not the judgment of a country <laughs> no. or its people. No, and it is not. Unfortunately, this anthem, to me, doesn't have that much to say about its country or its people. Yeah. I'm going to go like... Oh, I'm going to go like one and a half. Okay. 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 You you were justified. You were justified. It um, I feel bad. Rightfully so. Um, Damn, ouch. I you feel bad. I mean, I feel bad too. I don't know what I'm saying. I was <laughs> My brain went to wandering. Um yes, I also feel bad. I think Yeah, I'm with you. I I was going to I was going to go higher, but I don't think I sort of can and also justify my answer so i wanted to go higher because it felt good but it didn't yeah. feel correct okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna just agree with you and go 1.5 because this is starting to be very painful to think about <laughs> and talk about also x factor x factor i don't think it has no x factor it doesn't have no x factor it's like not i said like, i loved the sort of faux mariah carey version yeah it's not x factor out the wazoo necessarily yeah but there is something there's something there's something i'm gonna go maybe like four and a half for x factor yeah maybe give me a four on this one okay okay so we will tally that up and we'll be right back So that gives us a total of 45. 
Which I, I did feel as we were rating it like we were going to come out probably somewhere in the 30s. So 45 is a higher total than I was expecting. I think it's the one of our lowest so far. Is it? I think so. Fair enough. I think so. I think we've been landing pretty comfortably in the 60s. In and the 50s and 60s, 50s and yeah. 60s and this is just a little bit not quite there. Um, countries Uganda was most fucked by. England. Yeah. England. Yeah, clear and obvious winner here. Yes. Take it away, England. I mean, give Germany a consolation sure, point. Sure, also yeah. Germany, but mostly England. Um, <laughs> let's. This um, has been fun. Yep. Let's take a second and roll that dice. Okay. And the giant two hundred and six sided dice tells us number seventy. Number seventy. That gives me. Ghana. 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 All right. So it seems our tour of Africa continues. Continues on. Uh, what did you give for next week again? Next week I am doing Eswatini, which is also in Africa. So the the <laughs> Africa tour continues. I'm jumping down to uh, South Africa for, for my next one. Okay, fair enough. For, I feel like Ghana bordered on something that we talked about recently. It's possible. So we will address that and also my bad geography skills. Was Ghana... Yeah, I think Ghana borders on... What did I do a couple weeks Togo? ago? Togo? Togo. Yeah. I think it borders on Togo. I think you might be right, because it's it's ringing a bell. Yeah. It's ringing a bell. Okay. All right. We'll see if we're wrong about that. <laughs> and embarrass ourselves once again. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> something very wrong? Did we skip an entire part of the story that's worth mentioning? That's very likely, and we'd love to hear the correct version. Please tweet us at IAOUC podcast or send us an email at inallofuscommandpodcast at gmail.com. We record these episodes a bit in advance, so you may not hear a correction right away, but we're not too big to admit we are wrong and it will be corrected.